Welcome into the Fumbling Punter. I'm your host, Devin Keeney, and joining us via phone, co-host, Lucas Jones. Lucas, how's it going tonight? Oh, pretty good. Glad it's not raining anymore. <laughs> oh, me me, and you both. So, so I'm going to start our show off with a little uh, Fumbling Punter news. So I've applied for SEC media credentials so we can uh, be legit going to SEC media days instead of going rogue in the hallways of the uh, SEC media days, which I will do, Commissioner Sankey, so go ahead and uh, grant me some uh, media access there. Uh, Lucas, how uh, how fun would that be? Oh, anything SEC-related would be fun. Oh, yeah, Just man. go down there and meet some people, see some new places. I, I want to talk to Feinbaum more than anybody. Oh, man, I bet that that'd be legit. Yeah, so... Uh, I'm, I'm sure I could pull that off with or without credentials, though. So, like I said, one way or the other, either I'm going to get that little cool card or not. Uh, so, getting into some uh, NFL notes, uh, Jamal Charles went to Denver. And I basically said that if Jamal Charles and Chad Kelly win Denver a Super Bowl, I may just lose faith in humanity. <laughs> I know that Jamal Charles probably won't still be around by the time that uh, – Chad Kelly gets, uh, you know, gets kind of all his kinks worked out, but it's just kind of a worst case scenario because I was all on the Chiefs. Let's go draft Chad Kelly bandwagon. Well, it was a fantastic pick for the last pick of the draft for John Elway. What did he have to lose? Exactly, and uh, you're you're a Bama football truther, so uh, you saw how well Chad Kelly played against Nick Saban's defense the last two years. Yeah, I mean, Chad Kelly's not going to be afraid of an NFL defense. No. I, Absolutely not. And, you know, the Broncos got pretty stout defense, too. So it's not like, you know, that he's going to be practicing against a bunch of slums anyways. Uh, yeah, no doubt. Know, that that was a huge thing. That was why a lot of people are in love with Deshaun Watson. Uh, while Alabama defense didn't stop him or he wasn't scared of them, he's seen big-time defense. So why doesn't the same apply to Chad Kelly? Oh, I know. I know. I, I could never figure that out. I know he's a knucklehead off the field, but uh, I don't know. I think the guy has it. You know, he's got the pedigree, well, too. His uncle Jim's vouching for him to John Elway. So, you know, hopefully he grows up a little bit and works out them problems so he doesn't embarrass his uncle who's revered in Buffalo and across the NFL. Hey, who ha- who better to get a job reference from than your uncle? <laughs> yeah, who went to four straight Super Bowls. He didn't win one, but he went to four straight. Like That's impressive in itself. Oh, yeah, no doubt. So uh, moving on to some more NFL notes, uh, Kyle Shanahan said today that the worst-case scenario for Reuben Foster was he misses this year. And it's with a shoulder injury, so I still like that pick for the 49ers. Richie's going to be pumped getting some 49er talk in. But uh, I think I think Reuben Foster is going to still be a great pick there at 31, even if he does miss a year. Uh, you know, it's nothing leg-related. It shouldn't be anything too terrible to come back from. I still think he'll be a good pick for the 49ers. What do you think, Lucas? Uh, well, lately you've seen more and more guys that have been injured won't be quite ready for the season pick in the draft, high-profile guys at least. Last year you've seen uh, – the guy from Notre Dame, Jalen Smith, is that his yeah. name? Yeah. From Notre Dame, that they knew he was going to miss a full year. 
maybe some this year because um, he had a serious knee injury and his nerves are actually starting to regenerate now. I'm trying to think. Well, Chad Kelly's obviously injured. Yeah. Uh, Miles Jack. Uh, Miles Jack. I think he played some last year in Jaguar, but yeah. he was hurt. Yeah, he, he, I, yeah. Know, the time of the draft, they were. Ta- I mean, that's why he fell uh, into the second round. Shaq Lawson, he hurt last year when he got yeah. drafted and set out most of this year, if not all of it, I think, for the Bills. Um, so you're seeing guys that got potential, even if they are a little banged up, get drafted. Well, Sidney Jones um, from Washington, who apparently, how did Washington? I guess the. I mean, they were obviously good last. Oh. And their whole backfield was drafted, seemed like real high, but Sidney Jones had a, that Achilles tear. Yeah. And he got drafted, what, second round, third round? Uh, second round. In the second round. Yeah. It? Yeah. So, you know, I mean, and Achilles is tough to come back from. So who knows if he'll even play this year. So it's still a good pick by the Niners when you're getting someone that talented, especially at pick 31. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. So, uh, last NFL note I have here, you know, we didn't get to talk after the uh, last day of the draft. Uh, Pittsburgh, your Steelers, took Josh Dobbs. And here's the question that I wrote down for you. Do you think that Josh Dobbs is Big Ben's heir, or do you think he's Landry Jones' heir? I don't know. That remains to be seen. I don't know. They're hoping he could be Big Ben's heir, but... Again, that remains to be seen because Landry Jones was, you know, supposed to be that guy, and he clearly just a career backup who I don't even want on the team. I just think he's terrible. Yeah, and I, I watched a lot of Tennessee the last two or three years, and I actually bought into the Tennessee hype this last year, and I just didn't see it from Josh Dobbs. I mean, at any point did I see that he was going to be an NFL quarterback now granted he's got mike tomlin he's get he gets to sit behind big ben uh he's a smart guy uh what's he got like a some crazy mechanical engineering degree i'm incredibly smart guy i think he's got the tools i just don't know if you ever i think the thing the thing to say about tennessee quarterbacks is their coaching hasn't exactly been stellar no. I it, think that's one thing holding back Tennessee. They can have the top ten recruiting classes for the last five or six years, but they're not competing for national championships. Yep. That uh so that, that's why I'm I drink. not I'm not writing Josh Dobbs off. I would have preferred um I like Pat I like Pat Mahomes for the Steelers, but <laughs> he's a top ten pick. So that wasn't gonna happen. So, I don't know. I mean, with the Steelers, you're in a tough position because you got to get enough team where you're always drafted in the 20s, and it's hard to get a franchise quarterback in the 20s. Oh, yeah. I mean, you almost have to do something like Kansas City did where you move up to the top 10 you to get your guy. Sacrifice the next. Yeah. The thing is, though, you have to be sold, 100% yeah. sold on that guy to do it. Oh, no um, doubt. But, you know, every once in a while you hit on later drafted guys like, you know, Tom Brady was in the sixth round, and Dak Prescott fell because of some off-field issues. And, you know, they're, you know, Dak, you only seen one year of him, but, you know, Dallas believes in him, obviously. So who knows with Josh Dodds? I just wish people would stop with the 
Josh Dobbs and Dak were both picked at 134 in the draft. Like, <laughs> that has nothing to do with anything. That's just mere coincidence. Yep, it is. So, uh, you, you talking about Tennessee's coaching got me all sorts of fired up for college football season because I am just going to tear Bush Jones apart come, <laughs> come college football season. Uh, so that's all, that's all the notes I got on the NFL. Uh, looking to the NBA, the, uh, Celtics and the Cavaliers both cruised to two Oh leads. Although as of, uh, start of the showtime tonight or time of recording, the Cavs or the Celtics were getting blown out by the Wizards, but I'm really rooting for a Celtics Cavs uh, Eastern Conference Final because that may end up being one of the better series that we would get to see. Although I don't know the way Le- LeBron and the Cavs are playing, I don't know how good of a series it would be. Lucas, Le- you're LeBron's, a big LeBron guy. LeBron's completely taken over these playoffs. We're seeing peak LeBron. Yeah. If you even remotely like basketball, you need to watch it because LeBron's not going to be this good. Moving forward, he maybe has a year or two left in peak. He'll probably be good for another 10 years if he wanted to be. Yeah. But the thing is, enjoy him now. Now, I disagree with you. I think the Wizards are going to come back and win this series. They've held leads in all three games. They just happened to blow the last two. So I think the Wizards are, are a better matchup for a good series with the Cavs and the Celtics would be. Yeah, uh, but that's just my opinion. Yeah, I mean the Wizards are definitely on the up and up with uh, their young core, and Otto. Well, I mean, the Otto Porter Jr. Like I was about to say the same thing. Yeah, he's playing good. Uh, John Wall is, you know, one of the better point guards in the league. And the thing that can help set the Wizards apart, though, is when Bradley Bill's playing good. He's pretty damn good. Oh, he absolutely is. So, one more thing I had to say on the NBA, because I never thought I would be saying these words in my life. Quinn Snyder won a playoff series. <laughs> yeah, I, he did. And I think most of America wouldn't mind him winning another playoff series. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I would love to see the Warriors get knocked he's, off. He's come a long way from them Boonville hookers and coke. <laughs> Indeed, he has. Uh, so now to what we, uh, you know, what the, the time of the year it is, baseball season. Uh, Lucas, did you see Marcel and Ozuna's home run in Tropicana Field? The one that hit off uh, the banner in the rafters? Oh, yes. Yeah, I did see that one. Holy he, uh, cow. He's putting together a pretty good year. That he is, and uh, I believe that our lead baseball analyst, you, called that in our preseason uh, podcast. Yeah, and anyone that even paid remotely attention to, you know, teams outside of your market or your team could see it coming. Oh, yeah. Him and Yellick has been, they've been waiting on them two to just completely break out. And like I said, we, during the uh, baseball preview show about Stanton, you know, he's got the unbelievable power. Right now, you know, going into the season, I think, I thought, you know, I said he was one of the most overrated players of all time. Um, but that's just because he can't stay on the field. I mean, th- what I'm getting at here is the Marlins have three all-stars outfielders. Like you could make a case yeah. come July, if all three of them are starting in the all-star game, you, you may not have an argument against it. Like, yeah. so, you know, they're the bread and butter of that Marlins team that isn't as good as I thought they could be, but they're right at where they should be probably. Oh, yeah, I, I completely agree with you there. And uh, speaking of the Marlins, uh, Trent, 
trying to work on my next uh, my next big guest I want to go for is Marlon's man. Yeah, that would be legit. Yeah. He is everywhere. He's supposed to be in Wrigley Sunday night for Cubs Yankees. Oh, nice Sunday night baseball. Uh, so talking talking baseball. If we're talking baseball, we just about have to talk about our Rockies. They just keep winning. They got Ian Desmond back. They got a game and a half lead in the NL West. I'm loving it. Yeah, I like what they're doing. They just got Desmond back. They're he comes back. He's one of them. He's a team guy. He'll play anywhere. Oh they yeah. They told him they're like, hey, you played shortstop in Washington. You played center field for the Rangers. You're going to play first for us. But oh, you got hurt. Mark Reynolds is tearing it up. You're going to play left field now because Geraldo Parra is struggling and David Dahl's still on the DL. So what does he do? Doesn't say a word. Just goes out there and plays some left field. Got to uh, love having a guy like guys that. Guys like that are invaluable. invaluable. Absolutely. And the Rockies, I mean, they still get better because when David Dahl comes back. Um, you know, I still think that they're probably going to need to make a move for a starting pitcher. You Darvish. I think they can. I, I would like that. The Rangers are struggling. <laughs> I've been saying it on Facebook the last couple of days, and my Rangers fan that I work with, I keep trying to get him to come on the podcast with us because he'd be a fun guy to have. Huge Rangers fan. He's from Texas. And he uh, – I said, man, you guys' bullpen sucks. Cole Hamill's out for two months. You got to trade you. And he's, you know, he's like, no, we'd want the world for him. I'm like, well, I don't know if you can get the world for a few months of him. But you got to trade him. If you think you can sign him back, fine. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, I don't know. The Rangers are kind of one of them teams where they're hoping Beltre gets gets back pretty soon. And they got to find a starting pitcher, though. Without Cole Hamill for two months, they're going to struggle. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and talk- I, One more Rangers point real quick. I've seen Joey Gallo hit his ninth home run tonight. So, I mean – We've been waiting several years, seems like several years, uh, at least two years, maybe three we've been hearing his name. Now it looks like he's finally putting it together. Yeah, and uh, talking about Ranger prospects we've been hearing for a while, I saw that Jerkson Profar got uh, sent to AAA so to make room for Pete Cosma. Whew. Yes. So, yeah, so Pete Cosma didn't end up getting a place with the Yankees because – uh, Ronaldo Torres uh, played so good at shortstop for him. They held Kalsman around until Didi Gregorius got back. He signed with the Rangers, and Profar getting sent down for him. That's not a – I mean, Pete Cosman is not a major league hitter. Not not, not an all-world hitter. first-round pick, but not a major league hitter. And another thing is – Profar lost his opportunity in the outfield. Ryan Ruiz lost his opportunity in the outfield. Now Delano DeShields is supposed to be getting everyday playing time. And by Delano DeShields, I mean Delano DeShields Jr. Junior. <laughs> yes. So it's always nice to see some guys' uh, sons getting a play that, you know, we grew up watching. Oh, absolutely. You know, uh, probably next couple of years we'll see some Vladimir Guerrero Jr. in the big league. We'll oh, yeah. some Fernando Tatis Jr. Uh, Raul uh, Mondesi's trying to break in with the Royals. Yeah, and uh, Ken Griffey's son signed with the Indianapolis Colts. So oh, did he? Get a little, they even get a little baseball uh, in the football yeah. lineage going on. Yeah, so uh, we were talking about uh, injured starting pitchers, and uh, did I read right that uh, Madison Bumgardner may be out till August? 
Yeah, they're thinking it's August now. The Giants have an option to pick up on him this winter. They're obviously going to pick up, pick it up. Oh yeah, the media making a big deal out of it, like, oh, you know, they're going to forgive him. It's not a big deal. You know, hell yeah, it's not a big deal. The guy single-handedly won you a World Series in 2014. Yeah, he did. And you know, his contract is extremely cheap for his value. So as long as he comes back and doesn't have long-lasting effects, I think it's hard to uh, crucify him. Oh, yeah, I completely agree. I mean, he's more than worth it, in my opinion. Uh, one, and they're picking up his option. Let's not let the media say that there's any doubt about it. There is zero doubt about it. They are picking up his option. So can, would it be fair to say um, that – the reports of Madison Bumgarner's option not being picked up is fake news. <laughs> it is definitely <laughs> fake news. But you know what? It's just people bored. Oh, Maybe yeah. Some San Francisco bloggers bored because they're not very good right now. Yeah. Do you think that they have enough to uh, dig themselves out of this hole with Madison Bumgarner out till August? No. Yeah. It's an, it's an odd year, so I mean – Historically, the Giants don't do anything in odd years, so under Bruce Bochy. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they just don't have the – their bullpen still not fights out. They're a light-hitting team. And you know what? They've never really been a heavy-hitting team, even in the World Series year. They've oh, almost yeah. always relied on their pitching and then timely hitting. Yeah. Um, so I just don't think they have enough because the Dodgers are just so deep. The Rockies are good. Diamondbacks are in second place. Yeah. So I just think it's a lost year for San Francisco. They got a pretty high payroll. They don't have a lot of room for a lot of moves. I don't know. Maybe if they got some guys that are movable and can shed some payroll, maybe they should think about that. Oh, yeah. I I, I agree with it. I don't think that they're going to crawl out of this hole uh, that they've built for themselves this year. Uh, like you said, there's too much strong competition in the NL West. Clearly, I think they can finish in fourth place. Sorry, Padres fans. Uh, <laughs> but the other three teams in that division are playing really well, and it looks like the uh, at least the Rockies and you know the Dodgers are going to be playing a sustained high level of baseball throughout the year. So, Oh, yeah. And I've seen the Dodgers. They're, they're not rushing into anything as far as their pitching. They're wanting to keep all their starters under 200 innings this year to try to keep them healthy and fresh for October. Um, the funny thing is, I'm pretty sure they were only. I'm pretty sure that what they really meant was they were trying to keep Clayton Kershaw under 200 innings, because I don't think they believe they could have got 200 innings out of anybody else in the rotation. Oh yeah, yeah. It's just not a. I mean, every single player in their rotation that's not named Clayton Kershaw has large injury lists over the last couple of years, and even Kershaw had the injury bug by yeah. the last year didn't stop them from being good, but so I think the Dodgers are really, you know, they're really going to try to limit their, uh, their starting pitching innings. So look for them to use another 15 different starting pitchers this year. Just maybe not because everyone's hurt, but, but just for some extra rest and their bullpen's still not great. I think it's better than last year, but it's not great. So, I mean, I don't know the, I just don't think the giants, they have nowhere near the depth the Dodgers do. Yeah, I completely, I completely because agree with you on that. Say you, let's say you Darvish does go on the market. The Dodgers have the most guys available to go get him. 
Yeah. If you look at the farm systems, the Yankees, the Cubs, the Dodgers are the top three teams with the prospects to go get you Darvish to make a run. And that's because, I mean, hell, and then you got Cody Bellinger, the top prospect the Dodgers yeah. have. They brought him up. He's tore it up this last week. They're talking about sending him down tomorrow. Ooh. And yeah. I don't know what, you know, they said, well, whenever Jock Peterson comes back, he's coming, uh, he's going back down. And I'm thinking, well, their best outfield right now is is Peterson, Puig, and Bellinger, even if Tolls is playing good. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I, I guess I could uh, understand a little bit why they would want to send him down so that he's not having to platoon or not get at bats every day, whereas yeah, in and, and Oklahoma City he would. Because they want him to play every day. And yeah. you want that. You don't want, you know, you've seen what happened to young guys like, you know, Oscar Tavares and Colton Long. Mm-hmm. Just for most of our your listeners are probably Cardinals fans. They got jerked around their rookie, their first year two up. Colton Long seemed like his first three years. He got jerked around. At the beginning of this year, he got jerked around. And that's not good for your young guys. They need everyday playing time. They do. If they're your top prospects, when you bring them up, you play them. Absolutely, because that's the only way they're going to find their rhythm. They've got to work their way out of slumps. Uh, putting them on the bench is not going to do anything for them, and I think you hit the nail on the head with that one. So then, speaking, if, speaking of top prospects, I wanted to ask you about something. I had this peg to ask you tonight. What about Aaron Judge? What oh, man, that was my next note. <laughs> Well, I'm glad we're both thinking about it because I think he's got like 13 or 14 home runs right now. At least 13 right now. Uh, he's already halfway to the Yankees rookie record, and it's the first week of May. And there's only been one Yankee come up to hit as many home runs as quickly as he had in all of Yankee history. It's crazy. And that was Gary Sanchez last year. Yeah. Who's, who's coming off a of DL just in time to play in Wrigley, so... I, I read something this weekend. I read something on Twitter earlier this day. You know, everybody knows how good, or you know, people that follow baseball fairly closely know how good Aaron Judge has started off this season, and how good that Sanchez was last season. And they still think uh, first baseman Bird, yeah, was the is their best hitter. They're you know coming up through the system that they believe that he was the best hitter of that whole group. So man, if you. It, and they just put him on the DL, but they thought he was needing a little break anyway. Yeah. A little ankle injury that they thought maybe was bothering him. But Greg Bird kind of broke out there for a few games when the Cardinals were in town. <laughs> and you could see what Greg Bird could do. So, I'm not, I mean, we've said it before, but, man, this Yankees team, much better. Like I said in the preview that they could compete because of their offense. But, man, they're getting a resurgence out of Chase Headley. Starling Castro's batting like 350, who I still maintain. I started this like four years ago saying that he was going to get 3,000 hits. I still believe he's going to end his career with 3,000 hits. I was just getting ready to bring that up, that uh, you were on the uh, Starling for 3,000 hits long before anybody else was. He's not going to have a lot of war. I think his war will be better than it was in Chicago because he's not being the defensive liability at shortstop like he was. Um Second base is more his style, I think. But yeah. Garland's one of them guys I think is going to be Craig uh, Biggio-like when you look up in 12 years and he's knocking on the door of 3,000. 
Oh yeah, I completely agree. Uh, you know, and he'll have a long time played in the major leagues. He's only like twenty-seven. I know, and he's probably got twelve hundred hits. Yep, they're getting close. So, I mean, he's got that outside chance. Yeah, he absolutely does. And uh, but I love this Yankees chances of being players in July. Oh yeah, Brian Cashman, fantastic job of doing a competitive retooling. The main, the one thing the Yankees had never wanted to do was completely tear down their team and be bad for a year or two because they're in the biggest, they're the most famous team in the world, yep. in the biggest city in the United States, and the media there's just terrible crushing on the team. And what Cashman has done is impressive. They have this team; they're twenty wins right now, uh, which. I was looking back at my time hop on Facebook. Uh, today, one year ago today, the Cubs were like 20 and 6. Wow. So, I mean, just for a reference, the Yankees are on a Cubs 2016 pace. Um, so, they might be players in July. And if Gregorius or Headley or Castro or someone starts struggling, Driver Torres could come up and play. Clint Frazier might get some outfield time if Ellsbury or. Gardner suck or get traded or something who knows like this Yankees team might be fun to watch this summer yeah absolutely they're almost in that same position as the Cubs were last year where they've just got a lot of young talent and uh doing a lot for them I I just think that their pitching might be unsustainable right now they're getting fantastic innings from Pineda and Severino who's never done it yeah but you know guys have years where they finally grow into their potential or they just have outlier years where they're good and it might be it. And all you need is one good year out of the pitcher to take you all the way. You get three pitchers both clicking in the same year. Oh, yeah, no doubt at all. <laughs> so I think, you know, I I think Brian Cashman, if he makes the right moves in July, they could go to the playoffs. And I think he right now is the front runner for executive of the year. I, I, I don't know how you could argue that. I talked about in an earlier podcast what a phenomenal job he's done that for the longest time a lot of people just considered him a guy that wrote big checks, and uh, he's proven to be a lot more. And uh, it's really paid dividends for the Yankees to see what he's been able to do in that kind of rebuild process. But, Lucas, do uh, uh, you have any more uh, notes on baseball for us before we get off here? Yeah, and this might extend your podcast a little long, but I think it would be well worth it. Are we going to talk about the Red Sox and Orioles rivalry, rivalry and everything that's going on with them? Yeah. <laughs> I think we definitely need to hit on that. Yeah. Uh, go ahead and uh, kick us off on where all of this started because I'm not sure if it was uh, the the Rodriguez throwing behind. Uh, was it Machado he threw behind? Well, it started – it started with the Machado slide in the uh, into base Pedroia. Pedroia yeah. for a few games. And, you know, the next day nothing happened. And then the second game after it happened, uh, they uh, they throw it. Matt Barnes throws at Machado's head, gets a four-game suspension. Uh, Dustin Pedroia was yelling at Machado, not, you know, just yelling as in so he could hear him. Oh, yeah. Hey, that wasn't me. If I wanted you hit or something done, it would have happened immediately. Your next at bat, not two days later. That wasn't me. So they felt like they maybe kind of quashed it because Machado thought it was over because he talked to Dory after the game like, "Hey, I didn't, 
I didn't, you know, do anything. I didn't mean to hurt you. And Dory's like, okay, yeah, it's fine. You know, so that, so then Machado hits a home run, uh, the next series where he is just, I mean, he's just walking around the bases pretty much. If, Big and unwritten rule. So they thought, they thought he was uh, showboating a little bit. And so he gets a pitch behind him and he just goes off. He goes, loses just complete. The rant he went on, like so many F words. I loved it. <laughs> Said he lost respect for the organization. He hates Boston. So they had a big, you know, John Farrell and Show Walter and Joe Torrey, who runs discipline for Rob Manfred. They all had a conference call and a meeting and was like, this all ends. It's over. Can't have this stuff. Well, in the last game uh, yesterday, day before yesterday, maybe Kevin Kaufman hits a guy with a curveball, clearly a curveball, yes. with no intention whatsoever, immediately tossed. And it was one of the most bush league things I've ever seen in my life because you don't hit a guy with a curveball. With ball a curveball, yeah. Where he got hit is where you're supposed to hit somebody if you're going to retaliate, but not with the curveball. It was bush league. Um, I think the umpires completely blew it, and I don't think the bad blood's over. This is one of them where they played a lot early in the year. Oh, yeah. Which means – which means they're going to be playing probably in August and September. They'll probably have another series. They may not see each other for a couple months, and but it's just something that festers. And it's going to fester because Machado was livid. Oh yeah, uh, they. This is going to be in. You know, both these teams. I think. I think we both think, as far as I remember, are going to be in contention down the stretch. So you add a uh, playoff hunt into this feud later on in the season and. I don't. I don't see it ended any time this year. I don't either. But thing is, they shouldn't have threw it in Machado's head. Yeah, that. And we're seeing a lot of writers now saying unwritten rules are stupid. I kind of like them. I do too. I don't think I. I'm okay with retaliation if it's deserved. Um, I, I sometimes I think there's some managers that. Stone Cold believe in retaliation for anything, even if it's not, you know, warranted. Um, so I'm okay with hitting, plunking somebody, with him in the back, yeah. the side, you know, or somewhere, not in the head. Try not to hit him in the wrists and shit like that. But, you know, don't throw it someone's head. Yeah. I mean, you're That's you're crazy. literally risking life right and there. Machado's point, he made a pretty good point. Machado said, I can go out there with my baseball bat and beat him with it. And I'll be suspended for a year, but they get to 100 miles an hour at my head, and they get a four-game suspension. And I'm thinking, well, you know, he's kind of got a point. He does. Suspensions for pitchers are not equal to suspensions for <laughs> for uh, position players. Uh, position players. Uh, Matt Barnes is a reliever, so yeah, four games. He might have probably missed two games. He's going to play in. Most relievers don't pitch every day. Yeah, I, I uh, love when a starter you know, gets a five-game suspension, so he's missing one yeah. start. They missed one start. And I think when they even went, the uh, Yadarno Ventura last year got an eight-game suspension. That's still one start if you time it right <laughs> because you just say you're going to appeal until the calendar falls right where, okay, I'm only going to miss one start. Uh, to get to a real pitcher missing the equivalent of a position player, you're talking 25-game suspension. That's oh, yeah. Five starts, four starts, maybe five starts. Yeah, and I so, think that they're going to have to look at how those disciplines are carried out in the future so that it's not just a one-game slap on the wrist. 
Right, because, I mean, I don't know. It's something the players need to – The Tony Clark needs to step in with the union and say, come on, guys, there's unwritten rules. You guys know them. If you're going to retaliate, don't throw it to head. Yeah. I think that's something that should come down from – that's something that should come down from the union first and foremost, and then baseball should say, this is what the discipline is going to be if you do this. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Uh, that you, ne- I never want to see anybody get hit in the head. That is some brutal stuff. I think it's, I think getting hit in the head has altered uh, Stanton's career because, uh, well, it's broken his jaw and he's missed times. And I think some guys get they get scared and they wear that longer uh, chin piece. They got that chin yeah. piece on their helmet. The same thing happened to Jason Hayward. A lot of times I wonder, I was like, man, has, how much of his pitching or hitting woes has to do with that piece on his, like, will he hit better without it? Can he pick the ball up as good? I don't know. But, I mean, obviously he's wore it long enough now to be used to it. But, you know, I, I, I get I, hit in the head. It, oh. it just has to alter your psycho, psychological profile when oh, you're yeah. the plate. I, I mean, I still see defensive swings from Stanton where it looks like he's I mean, it's not a big Giancarlo Stanton swing. It, it it looks like he is trying to keep from getting hit in the face again on any ball up and in. Exactly. I mean, just imagine anyone listening, just imagine a 90-plus mile-an-hour fastball hitting in your face. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's brutal. I mean, God. But. I've been hitting the face a lot with fists and stuff, but. I bet it doesn't compare to a 90-mile-an-hour <laughs> fastball. Yeah, that may may hurt a little worse. But, uh, Lucas, you got anything else for us on baseball before we hop off here? Nope, I'm good. All right. Well, uh, it's been good. We've talked a lot of good baseball, and uh, hopefully you guys have all gotten from something from it. Maybe uh, you liked our opinions. Maybe you uh, liked Lucas comparing getting punched in the face to a 95-mile-an-hour fastball. Uh, Let us know what you think, guys. Absolutely. Commentary. Let us know. Yeah, get it. Agree? Do you disagree? Let us know. Yeah, get on Twitter. If you uh, like it, retweet it. If you don't like it, retweet, quote it, and tell everybody how horrible you think our opinions are. We uh, we enjoy any feedback. So that's all we got for the show today. For Lucas Jones, I'm Devin Keeney. This has been the Fumbling Punter Podcast.